Merchandising, merchandising. Welcome. We got some t-shirts from T Public. If you want, you can order a t-shirt from T Public. You got a Hamilton shirt. It says, "Do you like Hamilton?" I can't tell. You got mugs now. We got some mugs, and you can print. Uh, you got prints of our logo on those mugs. It's a great way to support the show. If you don't want to do Patreon, you should do Patreon. We'll tell you about Patreon a bit later. But if you don't want to do Patreon, you want something from up for discussion? Go to T Public. The link is down in the description. Please now enjoy the show. What song is I gonna do? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, one love, one heart. Let's get together and feel alright. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel alright. Alright. Welcome to the Effort Discussion Podcast, the only show on the internet where we talk about the things we talk about in the order we talk about them. I am Tom Zalatnay. I'm Desert Asiza. I'm Tim Blay. And we have a special guest with us today. I am Tom Blay, Tim's Tom. brother. Oh, oh, snap. Return guest. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Why don't you uh, tell the people who are newly subscribed who you are? Where uh, do you come from? Whom's man's is this? I am nobody special. I come from Vancouver. Mm. Don't you guys come from the same place? Well, yes, in a, in a very <laughs> technical sense, we do. But I live in Vancouver now. Like, we don't technically come from the same city, because you were born in Quebec, Quebec city, city, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, back in the day, in the French land. The land of the Francais. Yeah, and then Maui. And then we, we, we came here before, before I was born, <laughs> so I was born around Montreal. Yeah, yeah, Tom's back for a week just to chill out. We went to a wedding. It was real fun. Nice. Did yeah. they successfully get married? They did. They did, yeah. They were a bit worried about that, but <laughs> really? they, they pulled it off. Best thing they had at the wedding, though, at around midnight, they brought out a poutine bar. That's oh, true. Every that's wedding so needs key. one of those. That is pretty solid. That's true, because that's when everybody's had like two or three drinks, and it's like oh, getting yeah. to be the time where you, you like, normally if you're at a bar, you would go out looking for some greasy food. Yeah. And at a wedding, usually it's just like, oh, now I'm hungry and there's nothing. So, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that was really solid. Like the poutine was like a sort of a B minus poutine. Like it definitely wasn't A grade, but hey. You could upgrade it to pizza at Mm. midnight. But it was like build your own poutine so you could put as much cheese and as much gravy as you wanted. Yeah, that's always fun. And they had real squeaky cheese, which makes it a pass. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. When when I was in Halifax back in February, we had like a hotel brunch one morning and uh, it was it was fancy and they had a little poutine bar, but it was like a station with a dude standing there at a frying pan and he's like, what do you want in your poutine? And then he gave you the tiniest poutine and it was like not worth the wait. No. None of the ingredients of a poutine involve a frying pan. I'm confused. Yeah, that's it. Like it was it was not. Can ideal. I ask a controversial question? Maybe. What is the best poutine in Montreal? Um well, mm. I uh, I don't know. Everybody says Le Banquise, but I know you have opinions on this. Well, Tim. Le Banquise is the common answer. I would say mm. for a regular poutine, we actually went to a place today, Paul Patat, mm. right near Ooh. where we used to live in uh, in Charlevoix. On Charlevoix Street, I think actually. Yeah, um, that's that's my favorite place for like standard poutine, just like the gravy and cheese and fries. Mm-hmm. But La Banquise is like four hundred and seventy different options. So, so good. You know. <laughs> yeah, La Banquise so is a better hours. experience. Yeah, uh, I don't know, like because like you know if you like fifties diners with Patrick Huard on the walls, then. It's a matter of taste, I think. Challenge to our listeners at home: without googling it, try to type Patrick Uar in the comments. <laughs> I want to see how you think that's spelled. <laughs> if they don't know how it's spelled, how are they going to Google it? That's the point. Oh, true. <laughs> oh dear. If Google knows what you're talking about, you win. Yeah. I Wait. love that. Did you mean button? <laughs>
<laughs> I I was telling them this last night. I don't know if I've told you this story, Des. Yeah. Um, one time I was trying to Google the movie Schindler's List, and I accidentally didn't type the ex- the apostrophe <laughs> in it, and it actually brought me to a Wikipedia page that was a list of people named Schindler. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Danny Schindler's Schindler, list. Billy Schindler. How many are there? There's a lot of Schindlers. Very informative. <laughs> Not quite the same name, though. <laughs> They've got their own list. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh dear. Too funny. Too funny. Mm. So. So. Yeah. You, so, two weeks ago. I did. Said a th- <laughs> Good. I'm reading, I'm reading your mind. I already know. I, I, I said the thing two, two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago, you said something about wanting to have a conversation on the show about Christian heavy music. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about what? Skillet or something like that. Yes. I think we were talking about Skillet and how they're actually still around, which is surprising. And I mentioned that like Christian heavy music and sort of Christian music in general had its heyday, like sort of. Like it was, it sort of burst in the seventies and up in the eighties and nineties was like its payday, and then it seems to have just disappeared. Like no one makes Christian music now unless they're like a worship band, like Hillsong music. Right. So when we found out Tommy was here or coming here, we thought maybe we should converse about sort of that and our thoughts about like the Christian music scene, where like what it was and where it's gone. Well, I don't think it ever disappeared. I think, it, like, especially in the heavy music genre, it it's still there, but just nobody cares that they're Christian. Like, they're just hardcore bands or metal bands, but they're and they're still open about faith and everything. But it's not its own little subculture anymore. They're just kind of part of the the general scene, right? And I people guess, accept that, and they don't really care, right? I guess like hardcore music, like it's did hardcore start as like. It started as an out- outreach of punk, right? Like, it was yeah, of- hardcore started as basically punk getting sped up and angrier. Bands yeah. like Black Flag, Minor Threat. Yeah. So how do you like? How do you think it developed into this? Like, because there was this weird like outburst from like basically U.S. youth groups doing like heavy Christian music. <laughs> but I don't like. Do you know anything about how that sort of got started? Um, I think it. I don't really know, like, where the, the actual beginnings of it were, like, who the first ones were. I think, it was, like, they're, I know kind of the names. Like, they're right. bands like Focused. Um, Focus the, on the Family. Focused, The Crucified. Those are some of the, the bands that are generally the credited. Crucified. The Crucified is a very intense <laughs> band name. That such a, <laughs> that's a great band name. When you said Focus, I thought you meant, like, Hocus Pocus Focus. Uh, they're focused. Oh. Focused. Like kissed, like a like kiss, like no, a fake no, just kiss. like focused, like you're focused on making this video or okay. whatever. He's not, not. focused on not Christ. Like not like we were kissed. <laughs> we wanted to be kissed, but we couldn't be. So now we're focused. No, but someone should do that. <laughs> I was in uh, a faux kiss band once. Yeah, a faux kiss band. <laughs> you should be. Yeah, I should be like a kiss cover band. Focus. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That our friend make it happen, Quebec. <laughs> yeah. So you and you and I kind of like grew up a little bit in this subculture. Yeah, or at least like yeah, trying, definitely. yeah, trying to be that, like, with like getting other people from our weird, the weird little Baptist youth group we were part of, and like starting this Christian post-hardcore band that was <laughs> not never that great, but you know, it was it was part like, I think part of it was that you knew that like there were people that had done this out of like those same circumstances, like they had got their youth group following, and then like. They go on to greatness or whatever. I don't know if they ever made a living, but yeah, I think probably the reason that um, Christian hardcore and punk and whatnot took off like that is because that youth group culture 
is very kind of the same as like the punk thing where it's like very sort of DIY. Like they're, you know, kids are encouraged to get up and just go, you know, play, express themselves. Mm. You know, it doesn't really matter if they're that great or not. And that ties into the sort of punk attitude. Just, you know, get up there, do it, do something. Get up there and do it yourself. And probably also like. It, it was it was an acceptable way to be kind of rebellious while still being like the Christian kid. <laughs> Good little right. Christian. Kid. Well, because it was also a way that you could you could be the rebellious Christian kid while also rebelling against culture in a in a sense. Right? Absolutely. So, which yep. is like a super youth groupy thing to do. That's, That's true. Is, yeah. Youth groups are hardcore. Secular into, like, culture. Yeah, yeah it's like a subculture from... within a subculture within a subculture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like stay away from that secular society. And the... then something that hardcore had built into it already that was already kind of an advantage for the. Christians to latch onto was the straight edge movement. Oh, that's so true. There's, oh, yeah. there's already edge. this this thing of you know like don't drink, don't do drugs, don't have sex. So <laughs> it was very easy for the, like them and like the Christians to sort of be like, oh, it's not that different, really. Right. Mm-hmm. We agree on a lot of the sort of the things that we actually do with our lives. Yeah. I forgot how cool straight edge became. Like you should just be able to like, yeah, I'm straight edge. People be like, cool. cool. People walking around with like, was it X's was the on X their hands? hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because and like like how they put on minors' hands at clubs. Yeah. yeah. And you just be like, yeah, sorry, I'm straight edge. And people and then be you like, put, cool, cool, cool. And, and you, you put like, like X's at, the, at both ends of your name on your <laughs> MySpace profile to let people know. Oh, I always thought those were just so you'd look cool. <laughs> You know what? I did that and not knowing what it was originally. That's so funny. <laughs> I was never straight edge. <laughs> I think I was like, I was pretty straight edge in high school. And then by the time that I graduated, I had decided alcohol was fine at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like what have you guys, because you like, did you guys, were you guys ever in the, like the Christian music scene? Like, did you discover that as smalls? Not really. I mean, I, I'm like, I think it came sort of like a wave before me, right? Okay. And um, when I was younger, it was like like emo music was popular, like really yeah. big emo music, like MCR and like, um, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I always, like I listened to stuff and then later <coughs> I'll find out it was kind of Christian and I'll I'll be surprised, like, oh, what's that Lifehouse song? Everything. Oh, yeah. oh Lifehouse. Yeah, yeah, I had no yeah. idea they were Christian. I thought that song was about, like, I don't know, a girl or something, which, <laughs> you know, it makes the song so much more. Um but yeah, I, like so, I find that oftentimes the Christian music I did listen to was sort of accidental because it just, <laughs> I didn't know it was Christian. That's, pro- that's probably the case with a lot of those yeah. like emo bands too, because yeah. there was a lot like bands like Emery and Under Oath, and well, I guess they're more hardcore than I don't know. It, I don't know where the lines no, overlap between hardcore <laughs> and emo anymore. Well, what, like, what, were, what were some of the other ones that like kind of like well, crossed over? There was like Reliant K, right? They oh, were Reliant K. K. I didn't know they were Christian either oh, really? for like yeah. a long time. Switchfoot. Long. Switchfoot, yeah. yeah. All those ones. So like we, <laughs> yeah, long. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd listen to the music and then it was actually like when I started getting involved um, in my youth group, like currently. So like maybe three years ago when I was like, oh, that was Christian music. <laughs> cool. <laughs> right. Which is kind of like it's funny looking at that because like within the Christian music scene, there was this kind of like looking down on bands that did that. Right. Well, really, why? <laughs> like, I guess because they're... like they, there was there's sort of this trend, right, where like a band would gain a Christian following and then their lyrics would start getting more and more like that, where like all the pronouns were just you. So like it could be God, uh, but it could also be about a girl. And they were like sort of going for this like mainstream. Have you guys success. seen that South Park episode where they start a Christian hard rock band? <laughs> and it's like <laughs> writing Christian rock is easy. You just replace the word baby with Jesus. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. 
I want you to walk with me. I'll take good care of your baby and call you my baby, baby. You died for my sins and you know that I would die for you, right? What's the matter, baby? You trembling, Jesus, baby. I don't know. It sounds yeah. like you. Was that improv? No, that was actually the South oh, Park song. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was like, that was a really shit song, too. I know you guys love Jesus, but it sounds like you're in love with Jesus. Yeah. Well, what's the difference, man? Uh, yeah. Too funny. But yeah, to the point where there were like songs, like there was this band called DC Talk, which was like pretty much the the biggest Christian like Jesus freak band in the 90s. Um, and they, yeah, they were like, they were all sorts of things. They were like alternative rock and sort of hip hop and a bunch of stuff. But they had this one song called So Long My Friend, where the whole premise was just about a fictitious member of their band who had like gone off and like, gotten successful being a non-Christian artist. And they were like, we still love you, man, but we're really sad you're doing this. <laughs> What's actually really interesting is that on the level of like the punk bands and like the hardcore bands, it's kind of the opposite. Like the safe route where you're going to make more money touring is in the Christian market. Interesting. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah. I was just listening to a Emory podcast. Those those guys have a great podcast called Bad Christian. And they were talking about <laughs> why they decided to leave that scene. And when they first started out, like they were playing like the regular venues, the bars and clubs and whatnot. And they were getting like 50 bucks a night playing to, you know, so many people. And then they signed a tooth and nail and they got put on this Christian tour playing churches and they were getting paid like 200 bucks a night <laughs> and they had like a built in audience and they would yeah. have like backstage riders. And <laughs> but they just had this feeling that it was just kind of wrong. Like they just felt that they didn't belong there because it was just too easy. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so but a lot, and a lot of bands can get stuck in that market because right. they'll start off. They'll see, oh, well, this is great. Like we're making more money. But then you get locked into that christian church youth group culture and yeah. you can't get out of that right and it's it's a little harder to be taken seriously as an artist i guess if your your primary audience is like church youth groups well i find that there are a lot of like christian celebrities quote-unquote like maybe not necessarily bands and stuff but like stuff that like all the christians know who they are <laughs> it's like right? oh chris pratt loves jesus <laughs> yeah. he's one of ours no no but not even that it's, it's just like like father robert baron so cool or like adria sad you know and like you would say this to like a like a non-christian person they'd be like i don't know who the heck that is yeah but but, but yeah. every like every christian of that yeah. generation knows them like it's the same with like these the, these like big Christian bands in the 90s like DC Talk and Newsboys and mm -hmm. stuff like everybody like I'm pretty sure those those people were like selling as many albums as half of the people on like the mainstream radio oh, in the I'm 90s sure, probably more. but it was like there was this culture of like nobody else knows about this and it's like when you met somebody else who knew about it, it was like, wow, we share this connection. Yeah. It was, it's yeah. still kind of like that for like the heavy music thing. I just started uh, working with a guy that just got hired at where I work. I work at a landscaping company and he's really into the Christian heavy music thing. And so we just connected right away because it's almost like a secret language. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, you know this band. Oh, I know that band. Oh, you listen to Striper. What? <laughs> That's yeah. how I feel as like a person who loves musical theater. It's like as soon as you meet someone else who's like really into that, you're like, oh my God, we have everything to talk about. <laughs> or rather, in that case, you just have, a, you stop talking and you just sing all the time. Yeah. And have like a dance sequence. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I guess it's like these niche cultures that bring people together, but also in a way like um, sort of take you out of the spotlight a little bit. 
I mean, isn't that good mm-hmm. though for these hardcore bands? Like, don't you not want to be in the spotlight if you're if you're really hardcore? Right, you're a little bit more of a supposedly. <laughs> well, you still want to make a living though. Yeah. But, but that's the interesting thing about like, especially in in the states, like that Christian is like the largest niche you could possibly have. Yeah, right? fair. like something like seventy percent of people identify as Christian, mm. and it's like so it's it's like not actually a subculture it is the culture but it's it's still got this feeling that it's a subculture so, so it's right. yeah so you so have like, that you've got both it's kind of like harry feeling. potter the way people the way everybody who's who really likes harry potter feel like they're this special person for really liking harry potter but like everyone loves <laughs> harry potter there's no one <laughs> there, no one's on the other side of that fence going and if you are harry you're potter. wrong harry the worst. <laughs> at best you've got people like me who are indifferent about harry yeah. potter yeah. Oh, yeah. whoa, so wrong that you guys are bonding over that. I feel sad that you don't have the magic in your life. <laughs> mm, I tried. I just couldn't do it. No, but I... If you had replaced magic with Jesus there, it would have been the other side. Exactly, magic. right? <laughs> my Patronus is crippling depression. Oh, my gosh. Okay, can we talk about the Patronus quiz for a little bit, though? Because it's so great. Okay. It's just, it's just you beautifully can, you done. Can t- I don't think I've taken... This no. quiz. I don't think. Well, even I, I so think even you if can you, monologue. Yeah. Let's give you Sorry. Two minutes with Desiree no. on Patronus's go. Uh, if even if you're not into it, you should take this quiz because the graphics are very beautiful. You might be offended by your choice. I got a lynx though, so that's pretty perfect. It's close to a lion, which is my spirit animal. That's it. That's done. I don't know what a Patronus is. <laughs> oh no! It's a little bit like Patreon, but it doesn't give you money. No. <laughs> well, that's of lame. <laughs> It's like, I guess it's like your spirit animal. It gives you happy feelings. That protects no. you against no, no, no. these horrible, it's scary made, creatures. Uh, that's a really sad statement you made because Patronuses are literally oh, made <laughs> by having happy, like conjuring up happy memories and their whole point is to like fight sadness. And so yours is, <laughs> yours is like, You're depression. screwed. Oh, Tom. We already established that. <laughs> uh, but dude. back to like Christian music. Um, mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I don't feel like I am aware at all of like the the heavier Christian music scene Same. in like recent days. Like, yeah, well, is, is there anything? Days, me either. Like, I've definitely been out of that for a while too. But it, the thing—that's the thing, though. Like, there there isn't—I don't feel like there is that much of a subculture as far as the heavy bands go. That's like, true. That like they're the, there, yeah. but they're they're more nowadays. They're more just like metal bands that happen to have Christian members. Okay. And I think or that was true even back in the so day. Like, so well, like when the like the sort of screamo culture was really big, like all the screamo kids were listening to these bands that like came up from Christian roots and like it didn't really matter. Yeah, right? like they're, every they're, every hardcore yeah. kid that grew up in the 2000s listens to Under Oath. Yeah, whereas like nobody who wasn't Christian listened to DC Talk. There were tons of people listening to Under Oath that like didn't really care what, and it wasn't sold as like this thing that was exclusive to Christians or to Christian populations. What about Creed? Creed was yeah, they, they were <laughs> they were the, the singer kind of went crazy. Creed happened apparently. Like there was some stuff that came out like a couple of years ago. He was Scott just Stapp. like yeah, he just kind of went out of his mind. It was just like running all over the place with no shirt on or something. Well, like, he had a Britney a Spears moment. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, he, he I, I mean, Leave last Scott time Stapp I, alone. <laughs> <laughs> he's a human being. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's true. He wrote that. He, he like, they did Creed. But I think Creed was one of those bands that like, like there wasn't really a Christian part, like part of them by the time they got really successful. Like they, 
they kind of moved away into more like the generic stuff. Yeah. And then eventually Scott Staff was writing songs for the Florida Marlins and that didn't go too well. That <laughs> is a great song. <laughs> it's a song that's really like it's really sad to to listen to if you like know Creed and liked Creed because you expect him to be singing these songs about like love and passion and stuff and then instead he's singing about come on Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about sellout. <laughs> uh, got strikes, bass hits, double plays. <laughs> that's, that's an actual lyric. That's eh? an actual oh lyric. Gosh. Oh, speaking of uh, singers that went crazy from Christian bands, you were telling me something it's about such a specific uh, topic. <laughs> about this, there was this, there was this band named As I Lay Dying. It was one of my favorite like metal bands back in the day, and they were a Christian band. You couldn't tell because. They you can't understand the lyrics if unless you read the liner notes. Screaming. It's just, <laughs> okay, right? nice. But he uh, there was there was a while a, a thing back in the day where I don't know. Do you know the story better than I do? Maybe you can tell. Okay, me. I'll I'll try to yeah wrap it up for the listeners pretty quick because it's kind of a it's kind of a complicated story. But the long and short of it is that uh, the singer from As I Lay Dying, Tim Lambesis, was arrested for trying to hire a hitman to kill his estranged wife. Holy crap. So, I was yeah. not expecting that. That is dramatic. Yeah, exactly. Should we make it was, it was a, a little mini story. series about this? Though? Well, it should there, be on Netflix. Well, <laughs> there's a new development in the story. I just saw this this morning, actually, Ooh, and was like, this news. is perfect for the podcast. Good timing, yeah. And it just gets, <laughs> it just gets weirder and weirder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So wh- one of his defenses when... He was on trial was that he was on all these steroids because he became obsessed with bodybuilding. And so he tried to claim roid rage as part of his defense. Like oh as an God. insanity plea? Yeah, like as an insanity plea. So now the, the latest headline, and this is from just a couple days ago. As A.L.A. Downing's Tim Lambesis filed a $35 million lawsuit against the medical team after allegedly developing gyno... How do you pronounce this word? Gynecomastia, which is basically... Growing breasts. Man breasts. Growing man breasts. <laughs> oh my okay, god. Okay, wait, wait. Can I file a lawsuit against someone for that? Because I've been doing that for years. And so essentially what Pizza, the what the lawsuit is claiming is that the uh, the medical personnel at the prison didn't get him medication to wean him off the steroids on time. Okay. So he developed man boobs. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Oh geez. Yeah. Uh, guys, don't take steroids. It's not Just a good don't. idea. And don't eat pizza. No, eat pizza sparingly, in moderation. Why are you doing this? Stop doing this. <laughs> what? Being I just noticed Tim's like tearing up little pieces of paper that I'm going to have to clean up later. I fidget. This is what I do. Oh Once I'm done with the piece of paper, I shred it into little bits. The part right. of the story I find really interesting, actually, is uh, his part of his statement. And uh-huh. I'll, I'll just try to find just a, a portion of it to read here. Um, hang on. Give me some elevator music, Tim. Ooh. Give us some creed. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some elevator creed. <laughs> okay. Uh, here, this is just a, a, <laughs> out of time. But. So, so <laughs> there, there's a bunch before this, but the, the part I'm going to start with goes, as I am a stage performer by profession, much of my act is based upon the visual stimulus of audience, per, audience perception, <laughs> i.e. as a front man of, a, of leading rock stardom. My continued wow. success is contingent upon projecting a favorable image. Now, with the advent of these unsightly breasts, my music career <laughs> shall undoubtedly, undoubtedly suffer monetarily. So, Hashtag the, unsightly breasts. The, the thing that kind of strikes me about that is like, does this guy think he's still going to have a music career? Yeah, like a 35... Because like, 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 you have to seek damages based on how much you think you're actually going to... 
like lose an income, right? Yeah. So basically, this, what this guy's saying is not only have I got man breasts, but I would have had a thirty-five million dollar career after getting out of oh jail my for trying to kill my wife <laughs> with a via hitman. <laughs> this sounds like a, like when someone hasn't studied a topic and that's the essay question on the exam, and they're like, Egypt was a very old culture. We know things about Egypt, like they were Egyptian and there were snakes there, and they did Egyptian things in Egypt. Like that's what that sounds. I like, think it's in Africa or something. <laughs> I mean, I think what that points to is that probably steroids are not his only problem. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'd say, like, attempted wife murder is another one of his problems. That would, yeah, that, that like, might be. Uh, the, the story is a little more narcissism. complex than that if you delve into okay. it. Like, I don't think he's an evil dude. I think he got in a situation that, like, a, just a, a messed up situation and he was put in a position to make really bad decisions, mm, and okay. he did. Well, I can't really go into it, but like okay. the like the the guy that he hired to that he thought well that he thought okay. he was hiring to do this turned out to be an undercover cop. That's how okay. he got busted. <laughs> so and it was kind of a sting operation. Okay, but I'm, like I'm not defending the guy, obviously. Right, because but if, like, if he got if he got convicted, then presumably the undercover cop wasn't like, "Hey, man, maybe we should kill your wife." That sounds like a good idea. Like, yeah, that's entrapment. You can't. So, do that. so what you're saying is he hired Sting, and Sting. Oh my god, god when you do Sting. Like that. Sting. I did. I I used to be the biggest fan of Sting, not because of any of his music, none of the Roxanne stuff. Okay, just because he went to the rainforest, and, and I love the rainforest. And did that so one music much. music video at the end of the Emperor's New Groove? Oh was my that, god! No, no, no! Was it, was, it? it was only the rainforest because I did my speech on the rainforest in grade four, and so and then I, and then there was this whole book in the library because this was before you would Google things. What's to like, a library? To like stuff. Yeah, and so I, I went to the library and I took out all these books on the Amazon rainforest, and there's one about how Sting went to visit the Amazon rainforest and I was like Sting so cool and his name was Sting you know <laughs> and you never knew anything else about no and then, and then we'd listen to like a song and I'd be like this is by Sting and I'd be like oh yeah he's a singer I guess like, <laughs> a has stinger anyone, even has sting. anyone ever seen Sting and Scott Stapp in the same room sting I'm just saying <laughs> Uh, what are you? What are you what implying? Are you, yeah. <laughs> I'm, They're the same I'm just person? saying I've never seen them in the same room. I, well, if, if you were Sting, would you be seen with Scott Stapp? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. Where is Sting now? I'm. I'm still know. being Sting, S- sitting on piles of money and yeah. probably protecting the what little bit of the Amazon is left. Yes, just protect like that Amazon. Sting. Standing on that square foot, playing his guitar oh or his, his left-handed bass. Guys, protect like, the rainforest. Ooh, protect Sting. What I wanted to say is, I just found out Canada has its own rainforest in BC. Have yes, you been? Yes, we do. Um, the whole yeah, most of BC is a rainforest. <laughs> oh. Really? <laughs> just, I mean, all the rainforest is is a forest where it rains a lot. Yeah, so it's sure. like it's not it's not like tropical. It's but just, it's, yeah. There's a lot of it looks like the forest here pretty yeah. much. Well no, it's it's way more gigantic. Yeah. Then they have spirit but, bears, which are the like the really beautiful white but not polar. But like Hold uh, on, what? Not in my part of you say spirit yeah. bears. Yeah, it's called a spirit bear. Google them. They're majestic. I don't <laughs> I don't think we actually have those in DC. Maybe up north. I don't no, know. No, we do. do. Do we? Yeah, I follow National Geographic on Instagram. I'll take your right. word for it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not wandering around the streets. We do have brown bears that like wander around towns and stuff though. Like <laughs> Do you see bears frequently? Uh, not frequently, but they're bold. But I saw them. I saw one like on my buddy's porch once. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I thought Meanwhile. it was a big dog at first. And they're like, no, that's 
that's a bear. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, Spirit bears sounds like a children's cartoon. No, it's it a real thing. It's beautiful. It's a real children's cartoon. They became cartoon. popular during the Olympics when those were in Vancouver. I remember Spirit that. Bears. Yeah, Spirit bears were like the thing. Uh, you get like little spirit bear dolls with Olympic rings. Oh on yeah, the yeah. Oh, all all I kinds love of crap like that. Of course. Yeah. I find I found that we were so cheesy when we hosted the Olympics. We were like, and everybody will be wearing a Mountie uniform, and there will be a section with a moose, and like. <laughs> and Michael Bublé will sing. We're just gonna yeah. play up all the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, guys. Yeah, we're gonna be exactly what everyone else in the world expected us to be. <laughs> we well, were actually uh, Tom and I were at the uh, the. Olympic Village today, Tom, Tommy. This, right, this, right. Sorry, yeah, I'm this, not Tom today. My, my brother Tom. Um, we went to the Olympic Village there because it turns out that that is now where like Revenue Quebec has all of its like basically the entire Quebec government does its stuff out of the Olympic Village oh, in cool. Montreal. Um, and I thought that was really ironic because basically I'm going to pay taxes and I know that ta- the taxes are going to pay off all of these the Olympic structures debt. that still aren't done. <laughs> that were that were built before you were born. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're stuck with the bill. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. I was going to say something and now I forgot. I don't remember. What was that? You had a parody of a, of a Creed song back in the day and I've been trying to remember it so I can bust it out. It was uh, My Snacrifice. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> Classic. Most of my parodies are food based. Can we get a couple lines? I, I don't, was there more than just My Snacrifice? Um, oh, man. Yeah, I don't remember. I could probably write that right now. Yeah. <laughs> when I am hungry, I eat. Give me some crackers and cheese. Oh, uh, there we go. New I want a burger and fries. My sacrifice. <laughs> Oh dear. Guys, food is so good. <laughs> it is. Food is one oh, of man. the best food. things that you have to do. And food. another best thing that you have to do. Is <laughs> <laughs> segway, segway, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> I was originally going to segue off the food thing. Uh, guys, I like eating food. Do you like eating food? It's like, okay. This week's episode of Up for Discussion podcast is sponsored by Harvey's Canada. Harvey's Canada. <laughs> is it actually? Do they actually sponsor? Well, so here's the thing. I tweeted at them asking to sponsor our podcast and throw us literally any amount of money. And instead they said, they replied to me saying, how about a coupon instead? So I think I'm obligated to say that they sponsored wow, us this thanks, week. Harvey. All right. Thank you, you Harvey. I actually really enjoy Harvey's hamburgers. Me too. Like, Harvey's makes your hamburger a beautiful thing. And the milkshakes are so thick and creamy and delicious. They bring all the boys to the yard. Whoa. <laughs> no, this, uh, this is actually like unsolicited, like my opinion. <laughs> there are like no Harveys in Vancouver. There's really? one. One. It's bullshit. No. Harvey's, I love you're, Harveys. You're terrible, but maybe from all the money you get from us plugging you and millions of people coming to eat your burgers, you can open some more burger chains. In, in, Vancouver, in Vancouver, please. Vancouver. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Hashtag Harvey's Vancouver. Make it happen. Uh, guys, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows creators to work directly with their audience and make the best possible content in the world. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us make this show better. You can join the ranks of people like Patrick, Nathan, Gabriel, Clay, and Ika. And $5 plus patrons get to request things for us to talk about on the Ooh. show. Uh, this week... Our patron Nathan sent us a photo of Michael Scott from The Office with the <laughs> caption, If there's no God, what are all the churches for? And who is Jesus' dad? 
So I wanted to kind of adjust that and ask you guys, what do you think would be the use of a church if it turned out that God doesn't exist? Oh, snap. Oh, this well, have, have, is so much. <laughs> are, are, you, have you, uh, are you aware of the atheist church? Like atheist churches as a thing? Yeah. No, what? Yeah, so yeah, this, this is a thing that like people, there, I think the one that I know about, there was, there was this, there's this really cool series online, which Office Connection is actually, uh, it's, par- it's part of the uh, oh, uh, Soul Pancake channel that Rain Wilson started. Right, right. Um, and it's called Have a Little Faith. And it's this this guy, I can't remember his name. He's a guy in a wheelchair, but he's, he's a hilarious guy. Professor Charles Xavier. <laughs> um, but he, he goes around and just like like takes like 10 minutes to explore basically every religion he can find. So he does like the like Catholic and Muslim. Oh, and, is that like the guy with cerebral palsy yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I yeah, like yeah. that dude. He's awesome. Yeah. And he, he does like the weird, he goes into like Wicca and then he did one at the, the Church of Atheism. So that's pretty much the only thing I know about I it. I think I've seen that. Yeah. That episode, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, basically, what they like, I found some of some of their stuff a little bit cheesy. Like, I think they're still figuring it out. But the point is kind of this: per, like, people who realize, like, I don't think God exists, but I still want, like, I still love going to church, right? I still mm-hmm. love a church community and like having this place where we actually sit down and like, like, think about our lives and like develop connections and talk to people. So they're like trying to do that. And there's some parts of it where I think they incorporated a lot of the stuff that personally I don't even like in regular church churches, <laughs> like the kind of fluff of it. That I'm like, you got, we could really, we could get rid of this. This is not necessary. I'm curious. What do you mean by that? Um, like any anything that involves holding hands, I'm just not down for. Um, do they make them sit and stand a lot? I don't think so. I don't no, think then so. Then it's not a real church. Um yeah, I don't know. Are There's... there like long announcements right at the end when you're like, well, we're in the home stretch. Just kidding. Announcements. Oh, I hate that shit. I'm just going to put my own church on blast. For <laughs> Go for it. Every week it's like, okay, we're going to have a few brief announcements before uh, before taking the offertory. And then it's like at least five or six minutes. Of, like, that wasn't brief. Yeah, it's never brief. Oh we have a special tradition within the Catholic Church where the the last thing they say is go in peace and we th- say thanks be to god <laughs> <laughs> oh too funny yeah. um, but uh, i don't know what do you guys like wait 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 back to the hand holding thing what just like like any <laughs> just, of that like what? like sort of the more pull your emotional heartstrings like touchy feely kind of stuff i don't know i'm uh, i'm it's hard for me to not see it as kind of like more emotional manipulation than anything genuine sure like we we i went to this like united church thing with you where we like all sat in a circle and lit candles oh I, yeah that stuff. was that was different than <laughs> what i used to was, i was like not oh, the usual thing. <laughs> and a bunch of hippies <laughs> And I was like, this, I mean, I I like the fact that we're sharing. I just don't know why there are candles here. Like, like what is the point of this? Yeah, I. That was that was. I think that was different than a lot of our services that mm-hmm. that we go to. Yeah, them, and the right? United Church is like a little bit on the different side. Yeah. Although the Catholic Church also tends to have candles that you can light to say prayers for things. Yeah, so. but not as part of the service, right? Yeah, like, as, except if it's like Easter, where the candle is very symbolic. But and they've started replacing them with electric candles, which I oh, I hate it. the electric <laughs> candles. They're so light, and they're like, and now you get to touch this with this long stick, and it's done. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, before it was like fire. 
fire, you know. <laughs> and also, and also, like like the the candles. Often there's like a little donation thing. So it's yeah. kind of like if you if you want to like put in a dollar or something, then you can also do that. But the candle, like the electrical candles, one makes it like mandatory. Where like if you don't put in a candle, <laughs> you cannot light dollar, the, then the candle. Won't light light up. <laughs> so as soon as I discovered that, I realized how I could game the system by just like putting a guitar pick in and pulling it back out, and then I lit all the candles. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I win! I win at candles! <laughs> Oh god. That's a hellbound offense right yeah. there. Oh, I stole all of your candles. You don't buddy. think God can't see that, man? I'm torrenting candles from the Lord. Torrenting. Child of the internet. God needs that money. He can't answer your prayers without it. Yeah. And no one can donate now that all the candles are lit. Jeez. Yeah, jeez, Tim. You're, it's you're literally reaching into the collection box and stealing from your church. That little kid, I bet you yeah. also scroll past those pictures that tell you to like it so that Jesus will see. I know I couldn't save that person. Too. I know one more prayer and that person would have been cured oh of their gosh. hole in her heart or whatever it was. Uh, oh, no, but claim you're terrible. <laughs> going back to the question a little bit, um, I think there is a lot to gain out of it besides obvious like an obligation to go because you believe in sort of the religious aspect of it. Right. Like I think for me, it's gained. I've gained a really good sense of community. It does provide time for reflection and contemplation. And um, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of my genuine friendships are found there because we have at least something in common, which is a curiosity about, like, what else? <laughs> you know, the, 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 like, other, like, the bigger questions in right. life um, at the bare minimum. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, even if I meet people from school, I find it takes quite a lot more time to get to that level of closeness just because you're not the, you know, jumping into these big questions right away with people. Obviously, right. Well, right? when you, when you meet people at church, you have this assumption that you all have this one base thing. Yeah. That's like a deep base thing. Yeah. That's like, it's very basey. Yeah. <laughs> and you, <laughs> it's, it's like a deeper place to start from. Right. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I'm going to assume that you think the same way I do about a lot of like things that are important to me. And so I feel comfortable opening up to you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I, like, yeah, like for me, like, you know, the question of whether or not God exists matters less than the question of whether or not like like the things that I am doing at church and getting out of church and the person I'm becoming because I go to church are like positive things right right like like if you're if you're doing things that are making your life better than it would otherwise be and everybody else's lives better than they otherwise would have been then whether god exists or not you're doing the right thing i guess right cuz like church is theoretically I'm going to put it theoretically on this, but churches theoretically encourage like you to be a more like moral person, right? It encourages you to like do good things in the world and like strive to be better and also more loving and generous. Uh, and so like if you take out the sort of eternal cosmic question of it, of like, you know, where am I going to go when I die, which is essentially the only thing that the existence of God truly affects in this situation. Like it's really just about like, you know, what am I going to do while I'm on earth, right? While I'm alive, am I being a good person? Right. Mm. I think also it's very important for certain cultures. Like I know that for my culture, like before I, I really thought about it, I like going to church was important on like Christmas and Easter and doing these things. It was like part of our, you know, cultural identity as well. Right. And I, I do think that is still important. Like especially for someone like me where I don't really feel a lot of like specific cultural identity ties like church was like the main one right and like certain foods and stuff like that but it was part of like traditions that we do um 
so yeah, I think I think if I had if I don't go and I think my brother feels this way as well. Like my brother is less like he he's not as um serious about going like every week like I am, things like that. But I think it is important for him to go at certain times of the year for like his cultural identity. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I know a lot. Uh, the, okay, one thing that bugs me, though, is when people are very like, well, if you're going to be a cafeteria Catholic, you might as well not even come. Or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, oh, well, if you're going to come twice a year, what's the point? Like, I find that's that That's really... what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. We apologize to all the Christians currently Whoa. listening to this podcast. <laughs> we, that, yeah, those topics. Yeah, but that's true, because if, if someone comes twice a year and you berate them for it, they're then, not going to come exactly, more. Yeah. They're going to stop coming to church. Yeah. Yeah, I find that like uh like so now I'm going on a little bit of rent. Some people can be quite like prescriptivist about church. Like I know mm-hmm. that somebody was telling me that uh she she brought like her friend to a church and there was this like older woman there who kind of like scolded them afterwards for not kneeling at a specific time. And like the well the girl one didn't like even really believe. So like why she why does she feel obligated to kneel, right? Yeah. And two, like, doesn't it matter more that she was there than like whether she was there or kneeling, you know? Anyway, it just so that sort of thing bothers me a little bit. And I think like one of the danger like playing the opposite of the coin, one of the dangers is you like you're in this community where people kind of are like thinking the same and you're all just validating each other and it's hard to like like if you only talk to each other, it's hard not to like, for lack of a better term, circle jerk. And like, we were going really like not using the best vocabulary. But, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those totally, are the people yeah. who come every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This would be funny if we were talking about like a less. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it actually kind of makes it more funny. I'm sorry. Uh, it really, the, like we're opening it up to a wider range of audiences mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like the church talk, you can listen to the sex funds. <laughs> but like, I, I I hear what you're saying. Though. Yeah, like, it is. It's dangerous to like isolate yourself in a in basically an echo chamber. Exactly. Wow, that mm-hmm. felt like a really smart statement. Echo chamber. <laughs> I don't and get it, a lot of that. That should be a good buzzword. It's, like a, yeah, it's it's also a like thing. paradigm shift. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> oh, it's also yeah, and it's also like that's a thing that. It's, it's, you're right. It's the flip side of what Tom was saying about yeah. how what, like these people all have this implicit assumption that they share the same thing. If like for someone coming in who then doesn't share that thing, yeah, you have to be really careful then because there's always going to be these statements of like, oh yeah, like we all think this or we all agree on this, and then immediately that person's like, oh, I, I don't. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm not one of these people. And then yeah, yeah. And, well, I've had that where I'm speaking to someone and they make this assumption about like like something that I you know like agree with or not and I'll just sort of like sit there like oh my god they think I agree with them and they're complaining to me about people that think the other thing but I totally think the other thing <laughs> and I'll, I'll just sort of like smile and then, like, like, I don't like creed why do they think I like creed <laughs> I think you you can take let, let's take this back to like our original topic of like the Christian music scene okay and yeah. that, uh, you can definitely apply that to that like you've got okay. Like, say these bands I was talking about that kind of get stuck in, like, that youth group market. Uh Like, these bands, you know, they grow in their ideas. You know, people develop. A lot of these bands are teenagers when they get started, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they put out a couple albums. They get big, whatever. And they're stuck in that market. But maybe their ideas about God and faith and stuff have changed. Right. But because they're stuck in this, they can't be honest about it. So these kids go to these shows and they assume, oh, these guys think like I do, whatever. 
And but at the same time, the bands are just like, oh man, like I don't even believe this crap. But oh, I, you know, I have to. But I have to play these youth groups because mm-hmm. that's where the money is. Yeah, this is my career. And if that's I, if horrible. I, all of a sudden, if I tell people what I actually think about God, then like my whole music whole career is base. over. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Oh, that's that sucks. Dang. Yeah, that's a hard position to be in. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, a there's some sort of. I remember like reading on some blog about how there's there's this like project for like priests who are secretly athe- atheists oh to, like, yeah the clergy project Whoa. clergy project I, oh, oh talk more about this this is interesting i don't remember I've, I've just like seen it and like referenced yeah a i can i can talk like, a little, i know a little blog. bit more about that yeah, it, it that? was started by a guy named jerry dewitt i okay. mean you had a conversation about him the other night he was a a past like a southern pastor who became an atheist okay and basically when he came out as an atheist he lost like his entire social network he was fired from his job right like so he started this network to try to help people that were in like the position that he was in right so like is this this people who are like came out as atheists and lost everything or is it people who are like stuck in like it's, this is my profession and i don't know what to do now the latter okay. and, well it's, like it's taking the, it's taking those people and helping them navigate that right, right. okay yeah that's important that's yeah. yeah that's really good that that exists because like those people do exist and yeah. that is a real struggle i mean like everyone even the people i know who like have the strongest faith whatever that even means like the people who seem like they never struggle like they have struggled yeah. And they do struggle. Well, like, I, yeah, I think it speaks volumes to like if you're supposed to be this group that's founded on like love and acceptance and like all this stuff. And then as soon as someone doesn't have a value that aligns with yours or in fact like changes their beliefs, they're suddenly outside of the social circle and they're not worth like right. your time or a second look. Like, isn't that still a person who was your friend? Like, mm, Yeah, that's that's it. It's tricky because on the one hand, you want like you do want the people who are in positions of authority in churches to like believe in the things that the churches are preaching. Yeah. But like, yes. you also don't want to be a dick to those people if they are. Yeah. In those well, positions. I think there's a way to navigate the situation where you don't like completely like alienate. O- ostracize someone. Them. Yeah, yeah. Ostracize. Like, well, yeah. that, I think that's, that's one of the things that's kind of weird about like past, like pastor being a profession. Mm. Right. Because like, it's one of the, it's it's a profession that depends on on like you what you believe right Red. so like you you would think that like usually like normally like sort of in in like lower positions of like church leadership and stuff if you start to feel like stop if you stop feeling it you can just step back right it's mm-hmm. not a, yeah but like if this is your livelihood and you've got like a family to feed and you've been you've like been trained at divinity school and you can't do anything else like what do you do mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Or also like in a like so from like a Catholic perspective, you say vows, right? And they're equivalent to like marriage vows where like in the Catholic sense of the word marriage. Yeah, you're basically marrying Jesus. (laughs) Yes. But so you I'm dating Jesus. Oh my gosh. Oh, I hate that phrase so much. Single girls. Is that is that actually a youth group? A lot of girls will say that right now I'm just focusing on me and Jesus and I'm just gonna date Jesus for now. And I'm like, "Mm, you mean you're being single. Like (laughs) But but yeah, and I I find like basically what that means is like as soon as I get a boyfriend, eh, Jesus, whatever. Well well, like yeah, in a whole like Jesus broke up and uh, now I'm single. Now I'm with Brad. Now I'm dating Scott Stapp. I did Jesus for Brad. Like, no, in a whole separate like line of that, like just be your own person, right? Like, why do you, why do you have to be like contingently like dating someone even if Mm -hmm. it's like, right? Like, I I sort of understand the concept, but it's like, or it's like, I, it, like in a in a way I think it's good but I think sometimes it gets unhealthy it's like you know I'm gonna write a letter to my future husband and I'm like whoa 
Whoa. <laughs> you but better like, save that letter and actually show it to your future. You friends. better save that letter and turn it into a song and then get it to be a number one hit on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Make the word vague so you identify with Christian groups as well. No, but I feel I feel like um a whole part of that is sort of this insecurity of just like being alone. Where oh, like that's true, it's yeah. totally fine to just like be, be like, Oh, I'm being single for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. like dating Jesus or whoever, like whatever. Like, no, I'm just being alone for a right. little bit. That's really interesting because that's sort of a symptom of like a wider cultural thing that's filtered into this like youth group and these kids, like they have all these insecurities because like that's what the culture is like, oh, you're a loser if you're alone. Yeah. So that's they true. use you sort of that youth group line to sort of justify that. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because the the assumption is like generally that if you're single, it's because you can't find somebody to be dating, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so like stupid because oftentimes people are actively choosing to be single, you yeah, know? But that's I guess that's that's the sort of out to be yeah. like, okay, well I'm not i I'm not single. that's only losers are single. I'm dating Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyway, oh, but yeah, I can like so yeah, you say these vows, going back to what I was saying earlier, to be a priest, and yeah. then you realize you're an atheist. Like, what do you do? But right. there are ways because like, you said you, vows. You can, you can get you can get like dispensations to leave I the guess, priesthood. Yeah, and stuff, like, yeah. Or I mean, I guess you it's can probably also a get very difficult process though. Like, I, t- I haven't ever you yeah, know that didn't sure. cross my mind that that would happen. It is. It's a yeah. I don't know. I don't really. I've never been a priest who was trying to leave <laughs> the priesthood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. I mean, I've had like. I I had a time a few years back where my faith was like very shaken and for mm-hmm. like a few months like I did not really believe anymore in yeah. in the church or right. in Jesus. Well, I did believe in the church. Like I was like down to be there, but I didn't believe the things that it was teaching all that much. Yeah. Uh and I continued leading music during that time. Right. Because I felt like I could still kind of do that, even though my heart wasn't totally in it. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not sure, you know, if I ever ended up in that situation again, I might step back for a bit from doing that. But like, I don't know, I can relate to that struggle of like not being sure really how to tell people, right? Yeah. Because if you're there, you're sort of like, I don't want people to know that I'm like doubting every single thing that I claim to believe. I have dropped the ukulele. I apologize. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. Um, but yeah, so like I think like I think the way that churches are structured often does not provide inherent support for people in leadership roles. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in leadership in a church, there should be people that you are comfortable talking to about those things who are like maybe not even necessarily like above you or whatever. Like if you're the priest of your church, you've got a bishop somewhere, right? Supposedly, like, but supposedly, he's got, yeah, he's got to deal with. He's like probably busy, but <laughs> other priests. Yeah, but you should still have people in your church or like in your diocese or whatever who you can go to and be like, "Hey, like, I'm struggling with this right now. Let's talk." Because you shouldn't necessarily lose your job right away for that, right? It should be. It you shouldn't have to quit being a priest just because you're having doubts about Jesus, right? If you get to a point where you're like, "No, I'm a hundred percent sure that I no longer believe in Jesus," maybe you should consider leaving. But or like at least not being in the position of authority. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, for sure you can stick around or whatever, but it, I think it's important still that you have a support network. And that's probably what this website is helpful for, right? Is like people who don't have those support networks. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I haven't visited the website or everything, anything, but I yeah. know about it. Neither of us are Southern Baptist atheist preachers. <laughs> so again, so specific. <laughs> It is, it is rather I, I think other preachers can go there too. I don't think you have to be Southern Baptist. Yes, that's true. All right, we're going to expand it out to just atheist preachers in general. Yeah. 
but yeah. Do you, do you guys have you guys know like found any groups that you would say have like the same attributes as a church with like going back to this thing about like what's a church what would a church be good for without God? Hmm. Um, have you noticed like that there are other groups you've found or other communities you found that are like churches in some of in some or all of their attributes? Can I, I can I jump in here? Yeah, yeah go totally. Ahead. Um, this this kind of takes it back to our original topic too, but this for me at least. I found like just like the hardcore scene and the punk scene, okay, kind of filled the, just that community aspect okay. of it, mm-hmm. like just like like minded people. But and with that, it's um, even more freeing because there's sort of no judgment. I think mm-hmm. that might be why a lot of the youth group kids um, gravitate towards that because maybe they are having doubts. You know, yeah. maybe they are not you know thinking of the same things that their pastors are telling them. Yeah, and here it's you know in these scenes it's it's more open you can be yourself uh-huh yeah i was i was actually what's interesting is i was gonna say like my neuroscience community has a lot of parallels just because we're so passionate about it and on a, on like one level you know everybody's like really down for neuroscience <laughs> and and so like, i guess the, I th- yeah i guess in like a broader sense it's just this like commonality of something that you're very passionate about and for you it's like punk rock and for me it's like neuroscience because yeah. i'm a loser but <laughs> no, i think but, it's just that yeah. we all want communities that's yeah. that's what it comes down to totally yeah. and there, i've definitely seen and this this like feeds back and forth from these things but like between those sort of like more like wor- like praise and worship, lift your hands and close your eyes churches to say like a, a indie rock concert with the same kind of feeling. Yeah, like if you, for sure. You go and see Coldplay or like uh, the, the one I the one I'm thinking of specifically is uh, shoot. I can't remember the name now. Creed? No. Newsboys? <laughs> Sting. <laughs> no, like the, there was just, there, but Schindler's like, List. Like a lot, a lot of those, oh, no. those more like emotional bands you go and you have, you like, you feel very much like, yeah. to me, I felt very much like, oh, this is just like a worship service, except mm-hmm. we're singing about our emotions instead of about our, Adele, emotion, like about an our emotions concert. to God. Yeah. 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 Like a lot of those more like, like dashboard confessional stuff like that. Where yeah. It's like everybody sings along and really feels it. Lighters in the air. And like, yeah. there's, there's a thing about like that group that knowledge of like everybody in this group is feeling the same thing at the same time. Yeah, whether it be like an intellectual passion or like this like, oh, we're all thinking about our ex now at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we're all thinking about the lead singer of this band yeah. at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this like common passion that sort of puts everybody at like, oh, we at least have this in common. And I think also what's gained from that are certain types of intelligences like with um yours it's like musical intelligence you know everybody has that if they're like in that community and with it's more like you know like book smart stuff and and yeah there's a certain level that like because you guys are doing this thing you have this like similar ish personality Mm -hmm. yeah at least this one thing in common oh the one i was thinking of specifically was a death cab for cutie oh yeah we went to that concert because they have they have so many of these things that they do the exact same thing that like these worship bands do yeah they'll they'll take one line and they'll just sing it over and over for like five or six minutes and it becomes this like meditative like building thing and it builds in the back and then you put your arms around your friends and you yeah Yeah, which of course is like the truth is that I I think probably that kind of those bands did that first, and then that sort of washed over into this new like Christian music scene with yeah. like these Hillsong worship type bands where they've taken the sound that's basically like 
U2 and Coldplay and they've turned it in they've turned it on their emotions towards God, right? Well, totally, cuz the original church music was like you had a specific set of things that you sang through from start to finish and there was no variance and it was like you you either you're chanting these exact words for this amount of time and then it's done or you're singing these hymns and there's like six verses you're done after that. Yeah. It's been a gradual evolution toward what we have now where it's like dubstep church. Blah, yeah. Blah. Well, dubstep Jesus, church. Jesus. Well, that's the thing there <laughs> Please, is a lot no. of electronic church music now. I was shocked. <laughs> But like, but yeah, and um, and it's I to get you all on that deep bass, <laughs> oh, full circle. Uh, but but yeah, it's interesting how like it's sort of paralleled like the popular genres at the time, right? Like I think yeah. I think when we think of Christian music from like the early two thousands, you mostly think of like like hardcore punk rock type mm-hmm. bands, yeah. and like and and then sort of like the mid two thousands is like Hillsong, like Audrey Assad, like these really emotional ones. Yeah. And now it's getting into this like like party for Jesus type thing. It's, it's like is... half party for Jesus and half like kind of folksy Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like, yeah. In, like Mumford. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, yeah, we are Mumford and Sons redoing all the songs that were popular in the eighteen Yeah. <laughs> Just going back to your, your concert thing that you were yeah. talking about, Tim. Yeah. I I think but what it comes down to with that is that if like if you're a musician and, and you're a performer like that whenever you do a concert like that to some degree it you want it to be a spiritual experience yeah, yeah for so. sure like music is supposed to touch you like in your yeah. soul right yeah. and those like those are the same emotions yeah i think they are and there's which is is tricky when you like when you do worship music with that knowledge that like you can you can kind of manipulate that out of people right yeah. mm-hmm. or you're yeah. like okay so am i Am I like sort of making these people think that they're talking to God when actually they're talking to this guitar riff that's been going on for 10 minutes? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's tricky. Yeah. yeah. That is definitely something that I struggle with like pretty regularly is like, okay, how much of the like pretty music that I'm doing right now is pretty music because it's just, it's pretty for the sake of being pretty. Right. But, but does it matter though? I don't know. I mean, I'm of the opinion that like church music should be as good as it can possibly be based on whoever is there doing it. So like if you're in a church where there are people who are capable of making fantastic, like high quality music, you should be doing that. Um, No, I'm of the opinion that you should always be terrible at music. Really? No. You're doing a bad job, Tim. <laughs> I was going to say, like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> no, like, I think that there is something of value to, like, like striving for excellence in the quality of the worship music that you're Fair, producing. Yeah. Like, in the same way you strive for excellence in, like, your prayer life or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I when there's worship musicians who are, like, up there who are, you know, quotation marks, doing their best, mm-hmm. uh, if if that is, like, the best that, that they can do, then, like, okay, fair enough. But I don't think anyone should be phoning it in either. Right? Well, also at the same time, like when, like when you you see a really good musical performance, you get sucked into it, right? Yeah, it, yeah. You know, you you get pulled along. Yeah. But when you see a bad musical performance, it takes you out of that moment. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it turns it into like you're, like you're just focused on like, oh, that's bad. Oh, that that note was Oof. off. Like, yeah. yeah. That's it. It's like, oh, that guy's strumming like this. <laughs> but, but I, you know, that was a great visual gag that did not play oh. on a podcast. That's okay. You guys knew what I was talking about. <laughs> that guy's strumming like this could be anything. <laughs> like, it could be perfect technique. That's <laughs> true. I just imagine like a perfect Bruce Springsteen solo. <laughs> Tom was doing like alternating octave pitch harmonics. It was, it was good. Oh it was gosh. some like, you know, pretty low level stuff. But you, okay. So, you know that really cheesy saying like singing is just praying twice. Like, don't you think in a, in a broader level that, that because music touches people in that way, when you do add something like worship music, 
um, which ha- already has that baseline level of connecting with people with music. It makes it so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. It could be. The interesting, yeah, the interesting thing that I've found is sort of when I've been in places like that where I personally wasn't really feeling like the, the religious aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. It's very weird to be the guy who's making other people feel that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when you know that, like, you're not, because it's like, I can, like, I just sort of feel like I'm manipulating these people. Right. See, I can, yeah, well, I can see where you're You kind of are. That's, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's what music is, though. And it's, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Right. If you're manipulating them for a good reason, right? Then it, because if, you, if your goal in manipulating them towards certain emotions, is to theoretically help them connect with God, even if you're not connecting with God. I mean, I mean really, then, any kind yeah. of effective art is emotional manipulation to a degree. Yeah, I think the particular difference between like art and sort of religious music is that like you go into art knowing that that's what it is, right? Like I go mm. in if you go oh, into right, right. if you go in and watch like The Fault in Our Stars or something, and you come out crying, you're like, okay, okay, like the movie made me cry because it's a beautiful story, and that was like the purpose of it. But a lot of people go into worship music, and they if they come out crying, they think I had like an experience with God, right? I see what you're saying. There's sort of this like this like reflection moment that needs to happen where you sort out like, okay, how much of that was just sort of like the room and the like the vibe of the music and the fact that like my friends were all feeling this and that I yeah. was here and how much is like an actual connection right that I had. that's why I also think that like I don't know if you guys do this but we do this thing called adoration and it's like sort of silent reflection in front of like something in front we of consider the, the blessed sacrament yeah, the some, host yeah something Jesus we in very bread. holy which is like a huge concept in itself but like but sometimes it'll just be sort of there and there'll be silence. Right. Mm. And I've had moments where I've been like, this is, you know, and then I've had really beautiful moments. And then it's pretty clear, like that it's not really a lot of external factors. Cause it's like, cause right. it, you know, the same situation, there's not really music playing. It's just, yeah. yeah I mean, so. That's it. Cause ultimately like if let's say Tim is playing a song for Jesus and he's pl- doing a good job playing a very pretty song for Jesus, but he's not feeling it. Yeah. But his goal here is to help other people feel it. Right. If I'm there and I don't feel it, you might be there and totally feeling it. And we might both be in the same place spiritually and it might just be our mo- like how we are in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that what you're experiencing isn't real, right? Yeah. Like, And then if I'm there and I'm experiencing it, but after I'm like, well, I think I was just experiencing it because Tim played a pretty ukulele song. Yeah. That doesn't make what you experienced any less real. Fair, right? yeah. Um, yeah, I also think what's important is these are super like personalized like experiences, yeah, right? Exactly. By nature of them being like founded on belief. And- okay, I I want I want to see how far you two because you seem to be on, on this side of uh, on sort of one side of this. I'm interested to see like I'm going to take a very extreme example of this that actually happened. Okay, um, in the past, there are there are a lot of organs built in like old churches where the lowest notes on the organ are lower than the human ear can hear. Like there's no way it's it's like five hertz or something. Like you it's it's subsonic. You can't hear it at all. Um and what organists used to do would would be like just keep these notes going during like certain portions of the liturgy because you can feel it. It gives you this kind of like huh. heart fluttery kind of feeling. Right. And it would actually get people sort of feeling like they're they were like having like a religious sort of connection. So that's that's like, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think that falls in sort of the same category or does that cross a line? I don't really, because mm, there's lots of different parts of like our mass, I think, that invoke certain imagery, like 
like for example incense is used at a specific time right and like smell is very powerful especially for like memory and emotions and so when literally when i smell incense that smells like church incense it brings me back to like these very like holy like days or like you know those these like special moments and i and that also is like a form of that that's interesting yeah i've never i can't relate to that because when i smell incense i think of ham Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> do you, do, if you, like, we, I don't know, mom used to buy these hams, Tom, that like tasted like incense. I don't know if you remember this. I remember you thinking that and <laughs> me thinking you were crazy because I never thought it. Classic. But I definitely remember you saying that. I love that <laughs> shut down. The brother clarifies. Fine. Tim is weird. No one ever thought pizza sausage Shocking. tasted like licorice either. I don't oh understand. Oh my gosh. It. I kind of get that actually. <laughs> pizza sausage. Some like pizza licorice. sauces. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, this, you know, the sausage particularly. Oh, oh my weird. goodness. But, but yeah, I, so I think that they're like, and a lot of things invoke that, like uh, like dimming the lights somewhere to make mm-hmm. people feel calm, like, you know? And so I, like, I don't really think it's, no, I'm, I don't, I don't think it's bad. I think that like you're trying to set the mood, but that's so contingent on like whether people will sort of like quote unquote fall for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that you trying to set the mood just is like a good a, sort of like a good effort to make people feel this but at the end of the day you can't guarantee that people are gonna like feel x if you mm. do y right mm. like right it's so- like foreplay <laughs> and okay. we continue and oh my gosh oh i'm gonna cringe so much while listening. but like for real like no yeah every Wait, element of like every element of church in terms of like liturgy things that are used to kind of heighten the experience is just it's just religious foreplay you're okay. essentially you're, you're you know you're dimming the lights you're making the room smell nice you're playing soft music it's all so that people are going to be more susceptible to an experience right and i think people do that in a lot of like you know one in a lot of faiths but also in a lot of like you know like meditative spiritual contexts, mm-hmm. right or like even when you go for something like a massage right the lights are dim the person speaks in a very soft voice sometimes they play background music like things like even yoga for exercise right not even super spiritual yoga they'll still have like the lights off and they'll speak in this very calm voice and mm. the same meditative music that, yeah like, exactly mm-hmm. and i and i think it's to set sort of like a the stage but that yeah. doesn't mean people are going to be present there and i don't think it's necessarily considered like manipulative for people to do that because like you know you're going into a specific context and they're trying to evoke something that's out it of you, it's, right yeah it's not about tr- it's not about manipulation as much as it's about like like making it easier for you sort of yeah exactly yeah i think you can look at it from a very cynical point of view with manipulation sorry what were you gonna say i was just gonna say that like this is something that we can look at like throughout history like ritual and like and uh, setting and and like repetition and stuff like that that this has been used in cultures like different cultures all throughout history right Mm -hmm. to invoke that kind of mystical experience because it works yeah 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 or like people, I, I remember reading somewhere that like Roman emperors used a certain setting for like fear conditioning, right? So mm-hmm. like people would like like fear their presence and believe that they were like closer to the gods than they were. Right. I, I See, that's manipulation. So, yeah, <laughs> but but in a way, it's it's sort of like what we were saying. Like they're setting the stage for like, don't f with me, you right. know. <laughs> but it is just a very like different side of the coin. Yeah. But, I mean, that's it. It's because in that situation, it's like. I, I see the difference there as like those guys are doing that because they're, you know, mm-hmm. trying to have power over you. Whereas like 
church musicians theoretically anyway are you know making church music so that you can have something good fair yeah or even like classrooms like there's a lot of there's a lot of thought on like classroom design and how to like situate the desks and how where to put the board and, shui. Ex- yeah ex- yeah i think it's it's really important for like all settings in life and i think there are actually like like jobs of like interior design and like mm-hmm. architecture yeah, where people sort of look at the best way for the user to experience an environment in whatever that context is like i know people someone i met was like a playground architect and i was like what does that mean like and and it was yeah it was setting up this playground so it's like user-friendly for the kids it's inviting it evokes fun it's and it, just dangerous enough <laughs> exactly totally yeah, but, <laughs> ex- exactly like things like that so so i think that you know living in this like clearly constructed civilization that we do here and like at least in north america um, parts of North America, you're like anytime you're in a setting, it's designed, right? And so you're mm-hmm. getting these aspects of that. Like even when you walk down the street with the pretty trees and the flowers, like that's designed, right? Right. It's true. Yeah, we were walking through the gay village today. It was beautifully designed. I don't yeah. like the way you said that. What? What? That's <laughs> <laughs> it's an actual an actual place in Montreal. I know. I, know. I just felt like you went a little heavy on the word gay there, <laughs> and I just wanted to call you out on it that. It was magical. They had it's so beautiful. They had like the these, pink. these pink balls. Yeah, like thousands the, of pink strung balls across hanging the street, top. across the street. There's like it was and amazing. Rainbow it, flags on the sides. And you it looks like down, you're in a movie. You feel like you're in a parade, even it, if you're the only person. Exactly. On the street. I love that street. <sighs> I love running on that street. I love being so on that street. It just makes you feel happy, right? And they're they're beautiful. And even like. Saint Laurent has the Christmas lights strung across like year round yeah. now, and it just feels pretty to like mm-hmm. turn the corner and be under lights, and that's clearly like evoked. Like there's a lot of businesses on that street. It's kind of like mm-hmm. quote unquote like part of the heart of the city's like nightlife and things yeah. like that. And and you know that's not an accident. They didn't no. just pick like they were like oh maybe Saint Laurent would be good. They were like oh this would be good for this road. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like that Louis C.K. bit. Those gay people they know how to have fun. They have parades. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I would love to go to a gay wedding. I feel like it would be so beautifully done, and the food would be immaculate. Everyone else is like, we're gonna have one color, and like the whole. I don't know. I would love to see an actual rainbow wedding. It'd be great. Just like have every bridesmaid and groom be like a different color. I didn't know your uh, your interest in like rainbow until last week. Yeah, I've seen your background. My uh, my background, and also like the video I'm working on right now is just like a a splash of rainbow colors. Yeah, are you trying to are you trying to get like the the gay scientist demographic? No, ASAP Science has that covered. I oh. can't go see it. Okay. <laughs> I do like, like last week when you said like, yeah, when I was a kid, my favorite color was rainbow. And then the hearts of hundreds of people on the internet fluttered for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like, my dreams have come true. Rainbow. Oh, dear. Yes. Mm. Well, Sad- sadly, no. We should uh, we should wrap. Are we gonna wrap up? Mm. But uh, yeah, let us know in the comments what you guys think about like is church valuable outside of any like eternal consequence that it mm. may or may not have. Have uh, you been to churches? Have you been to things that felt like churches? What are your thoughts on music? Do you listen to music ever? Do you, li- do you listen to churches but with a V? Do you go? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> That's churches. a great band, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Churches. Churches. Churches is my favorite band, along with Deadmau5. Anyway. How would you spell don't Patrick forget to <laughs> to rate and review the show on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, share the episode with a friend, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking, at Acapella Science, at Tom's Latinine, at Desiree Sues. Tommy, also, Tommy, you got any uh, social media we can follow you on? No. Cool. Nice. Okay, don't follow Tommy. <laughs> <laughs>
he doesn't follow you as well. <laughs> follow for follow, guys. Excellent. The best principle to live by. Yes. You should lead us out with a death cab song. Um. The, so who's gonna watch you die? Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus will. So who's oh, gonna God. watch you die? I'm gonna be doing this for about five minutes, you guys. You could have picked Strap a lot in. of depressing so death cab So who's gonna watch you die? Never mind. Goodbye, guys. It's Bye. Been fun. <laughs>